Welcome to the main experience. Welcome back to the Main Experience Podcast. You are listening to episode 19. Thanks for joining me today. And thanks for taking the time to give this podcast a listen. I'm really excited to share this episode with you. I have a conversation with producer, director, and writer Fred Greenhalge of Final Rune Productions and Dagaz Media. The main music feature is the track Yes Regrets by the alternative rock trio The Worst. And finally, I'll leave you with a main soundscape recorded on the Winnick Woods Trail near Cape Elizabeth. But first, I want to share with you this conversation with the wonderfully creative and gracious Fred Greenhalge. I met Fred at a networking event a little over a year ago and was really excited to learn about the kind of work Fred specializes in, fictional audio dramas. Last summer, when he reached out to me to help with his latest project, I was thrilled to help him bring one of his wonderful stories to life. I chatted with Fred about that project called Dark Tome Undertow, available to listen to now on the podcast app Stitcher. We also talked about working with the medium of sound and what it's like being a creative in Maine. I hope you enjoy. Okay, here we are with Fred Greenhalge. Uh, we are recording over Zoom. Um, he's recording at his lovely home studio, as am I. And that's suiting because I think of Fred as a little bit of an audio drama guru, I have referred to him as. Uh, and that means figuring out how to build stuff and make things in, re- in the remote recording world of 2020 and now 2021. Um, so welcome to the show, Fred. Hey, this is, this is so much fun. Thank you, Jason. First of all, I think I want to talk about audio drama or what is the preferred vernacular for this type of project? Cause I've also you know, seen so that debate because going people, on. Like, still getting fights on the internet about this kind of thing. Um, so you, you know, uh, you've been awesome. We got to work together on this project, the dark tome since, uh, undertow. And I've been calling it an audio movie, which like now, like, it's funny. Cause like, since I've been doing this, it's been like, is it radio drama? Is it audio fiction? Da, da, da. And like even people, I, I don't know. I get it because people have been in the space for a while feel like, well, this is the thing. And I think, the, I don't know if you like, listen to it. I'm happy. Um, right. cause like right now there's like a debate about, Oh, was it, is it, it's not really a podcast. Cause which is true. Like a podcast is like a distribution format. It's not a type of thing. Whatever. Um, I'm calling Undertow a audio movie to suggest that it is a a story that is fully told in the course of uh, it works out to be almost four hours, 10 episodes. It has, you know, dialogue. It's dialogue driven with cinematic sound design and music. And it, and it feels like a long movie. So. Uh, but you can call it whatever you want. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Just listen call, to it. Call late, don't call me late for dinner is all. <laughs> and so talk a little bit about, because I think that um, the radio drama thing is probably the best sort of, like that's where the medium was born long time ago before television. Um, so I guess that's probably the best comparison, right? Yeah. Like, War well, of the Worlds worth, type thing. If you, if right? you look at this sort of like, wider field of audio storytelling which you know i would argue goes back to like as soon as we mastered the ability to communicate 
around a campfire and tell ourselves uh, ghost stories and myths, yeah. myths and legends and and the story of the hunt and all that good stuff. Uh, but, you know, in the kind of modern era, like if you look at people, so I'm 37, I got into this in the mid 2000s where like podcasting, like, you know, you sort of still had to like write your own RSS XML code to make an RSS feed work. And it was pretty, you know, kind of geeky terrain of the Internet and uh, and just sort of generationally, like when I went to film school, I still had a prof- you know, some of those old school professors who like you blindfolded me and made me like change uh, physical film in 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 a bag in the dark and if if you expose that film to light and you ruin that tape you failed the class and there was this like super badass like kind of attitude um and and that transition from analog and like the first like all very few card based you know like digital media based recorders existed and you know that just completely has transformed over five, 10, 15. I mean, I'll, yeah, I'm going to reveal my age here, but like about 15 ish years since that kind of story. And so vis-a-vis how that means in terms of like, what is radio drama? Like, yeah, I didn't grow up listening to radio dramas. Like I'm out of that generation though. I did. Um, and later in life realized that I had like the old NPR star Wars on tape. And I'm like, Oh yeah, I do remember those. And like, and they had R2D2 and you flip the, now flip the page and all that stuff. But I didn't call it radio drama. I didn't know it was called radio drama. Um, but I did discover it. A uh, college friend uh, was into it. And sort of like when he learned that I liked weird sounds, like, oh, you should check out these radio dramas. And so like a lot of the artists around the same time I got into it in that 2000s period were inspired by either the 1940s radio dramas in 50s, 40s and 50s or you know, there's there's this, this whole period that we don't really realize exists, which is the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, and those early 2000s, like uh, Sirius and XM Radio were doing some uh, satellite radio drama stuff. Uh, this guy, Tom Lopez, one of my mentors, was is still producing today and was, you know, on like over, I think, almost 400 radio stations in the early 1980s. And that that set of influences has been replaced in the last 10 years by people who uh, uh, are native to podcasts just because of generationally they've grown up with podcasts. And so I think if you if you sort of look at what the shows feel like, um, that is one of the differences. Like if I go back to one of my earlier projects, The Cleansed, my, you know, long form radio, radio drama feels a bit more like a radio drama because it kind of has like the big announcer welcome you to the show. And then it feel the episodic nature of it feels like a radio show in a way that uh, I think the people who've grown up around podcasts sort of have no loyalty to form or runtime length. Like I still was of an age where uh, I had a radio show that had to be 30 minutes. And so I, 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 my brain sort of got programmed to work in 30 minute chunks. And now in the world of podcasting, that's not as important. Uh, yeah. So just, the, I think it's really just everything evolves as time goes on and, uh, I, I don't know. I still think the people who've grown up on podcasts still should go and listen to uh, both the classic old time radio as well as some of those middle year radios. There's some really, really good storytelling was done in those periods of time. But I also think, you know, uh, I love that people are not allowing what came before to 
to to chart what happens ahead because right now we're in a period of time where there's a huge amount of innovation and breaking of the rules a much more inclusive approach to who gets to tell the story who's the hero of the story all that wonderful stuff is happening in podcasting uh so so yeah that's why i think yeah like there are people who who probably don't even really like like i don't ever like commercial radio i even going back yeah when i first you know the 2000s like as soon as there was an option other than commercial radio i i got into it and i was in that era where like my beloved uh uh classic rock stations like uh, uh 105 tos up in western maine used to play some crazy stuff late at night man and then they like got bought out and it just sort of lost the soul and so i definitely have you know anyone from the commercial radio space who thinks that like oh how did this podcasting stuff take over like i'll tell you exactly what happened like commercial this this, this like hyper corporate approach destroyed what was cool about it but luckily those people now have a home in podcasting and podcasting is even crazier so yeah right and th <laughs> that that's the thing right because podcasting there really is no rules you know and you can almost do anything and it seems like you know podcasting obviously has been around a long time but it seems like it's more popular than ever right it's just and part of that i think is more content the better you know, it's like the, the, yeah. the, 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 it seems like the Internet is just starving for content as unbelievable as that sounds. And it seems like there's even more of a push by these these bigger entities, Sirius XM acquisitions of podcast companies, Spotify, you know, and wanting to get into more of the original content um, the same way that the Netflixes and the Hulus and the Amazons of the world are. So just, you know, elaborate a little bit on like that part of what's going on right now in this creative medium. Yeah, I think there is a generational shift on demand versus real time content, right? And and I like I like and I and that that's not a totally very original thought. Like um the founders of of Gimlet, that was what they were saying, you know, a few years ago was like uh, yeah, and and any, even as of this moment, a ton of money gets sunk into commercial radio and on ads that people know don't perform. And for whatever reason, that still all exists, but that money has been pouring into podcasting because they see, oh, in order to reach you know anyone under the age of 30, uh, we, uh, commercial radio is not where we need to be, and we are in this capitalist system where uh, the money follows where people's attention is. And uh, yeah, and, and there's a lot of, you know, podcasting, it's, it's sort of a two pronged story where the technology as listeners has gotten better. And, you know, the podcast app, you know, going back to almost five years now became native. It was there on your home screen that changed a lot of things. You know, Spotify improving their app to make podcasting more prevalent done that. Um, Pandora is doing that. Audible's doing that in their app and they're going to, and Amazon music's doing that. Google music is getting a lot better. So it's a little bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy where like you start surfacing that content in front of people and they will start consuming it. And then when people start enjoying that content, they want more. And, you know, for what I do in the audio drama space, that's all we've ever wanted because it's never been this like zero sum game. We're like, Oh, I don't want you to listen to that person's show. I want you to listen to my show. Like we all know as a community of creators that if you get hooked on this kind of storytelling, you're going to listen to more. And so we all are constantly spreading love, uh, 
turning, you know, creating, creating playlists of, 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 uh, you know, like if you like the dark tome, you'll also like this, you'll also like that. And so, yeah, I, I, that's, that's, you know, how the whole sort of like Hollywoodization of the space, that's, I mean, that's its own whole crazy town. Uh, but I, I, as someone in the independent space who's, who has been at it for a while, I hope we can hold on to our fierce independence, um, you know, and, and not let, you know, the, the, you know, kind of like the, the Austin, you know, keep Austin weird kind of thing. Like let's keep podcasting weird and not lose the soul of independent, creative, anything is possible spirit, even though it is going to be true that as money enters the space, money has a, a certain ability to suck all the attention to itself. And I think, you know, there's a way to, yeah, I'm, I'm not like one of those people who's like, Oh my God, people are spending money on podcasts. We should be afraid. But I, there are potential downsides of that, but those the good news that more people are listening to this stuff than ever, which is awesome. Yeah, that's, that's true. Um, all right. So let's talk about this project that you asked me to work with you on, which was so much fun and such a fun world to get immersed in for the two months I spent um, doing sound design on this for you. So let's let's tell the the, the listeners about the world of the Dark Tome because you this is the third season now, but this is sort of its own thing. So talk about talk about that part of it. Totally. So the Dark Tome inhabits. Simpson Falls, Maine, uh, you know, it has, we've built this bigger mythos that goes back to the beginning of human history, but the, uh, the story as we experience it is in this town that, you know, uh, loosely inspired by like old town Orno area of Maine. It's a, uh, mill town that's seen better days. And in the first two seasons, it's telling the story of Cassie Pinkham, who's a teenager, uh, a, a biracial black girl who, is the only one of the only few kids of color in her high school and in all her struggles comes across this magical book, which starts to unlock portals to alternate worlds, which seems really, really cool. But then as you start to like explore alternate dimensions, it has some repercussions, which uh, is explored in the story of those first two seasons. And um, by the uh, end of season two, I don't want to do any spoilers. Uh, Cassie's primary story it's not over, but it sort of is that chapter is the end of that particular chapter. And the the slate is clean for where this new project, Dark Tome Undertow, comes in. So Dark Tome Undertow is um, the events as we experience them in, in Dark Tome Undertow is that the th- this object called the Dark Tome, uh, the, some people on the Internet thinks it's out there. Uh, they, they, they think there's a magical object, a literal magical object that was last seen in this town in Maine. Uh, other people think this is like crazy bullshit on the internet. And two reporters from this fictional paper called the Boston Circle are sent to the town of Simpson Falls to investigate. They're actually there to investigate a very mysterious hospital that's been built. So uh, what doesn't seem to make any sense is that after this weird explosion that was never fully understood, why there was an explosion in this huge settlement uh, of extremely expensive multi-hundred million dollar uh, luxury hospital has been built in the small town, which just doesn't add up. Like, why would you build this, uh, you know, several hundred million dollar facility in an aging Rust Belt type of town? And in the process of trying to undercover that story, the main character, Tony, 
finds that the story is actually about himself and a childhood tragedy that went unresolved and it gets stranger from there. <laughs> yeah, that's a good way of putting it. That's absolutely a good way of putting it. Um, so when you asked me to come on board with this and you sent me the like backstory of the dark tome and I read it, I was floored because of the rich history that you have behind this thing. And I think that's probably a piece of really good storytelling is having a rich history to build upon, um, which I found really fascinating. And then to then go into this new story that has so many details that's so relevant to what's going on in the world um, and having all of it sort of like connect and make sense and, you know, alternate universes and and flashbacks and uh how do you do how did you do it man because because well, <laughs> it's I, yeah, it seems daunting I, to me it's all know? it all like it all it all just sort of like grew organically you know the original original concept for dark tome came out of uh when we finished locking key joe hill's amazing graphic novel series gabe rodriguez uh, uh my me and my uh, partner Bill Freeze, who sadly has passed, we we left that with a good relationship with with Joe and uh, and we'd already just because we're both like sort of horror buffs, talked to other horror writers. They're like, oh, we should do like a horror fiction podcast anthology. And and there's actually a woman at Audible, Martha Little, Little, who I recently talked to her and she didn't she'd forgotten this conversation, but she had sort of said, you got to do something more original than like just having a host introduce your horror show you know like the original was going to be kind of more standard framing of like hi i'm a host and here's a horror show pod uh epi, you know short story and da 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 and so when i was sort of challenged with this idea of like how do you do a horror anthology in a different way um yeah i sort of came up with this idea that like it would it, you know kind of like never ending story kind of trope where there's like a magical book that brought you into the world of the story but then it was just sort of like this game of improv yes and yes and yes and it kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger um and that especially happened um wonderful friend and collaborator christopher reynaga of the point mystic podcast which i also highly recommend uh we yeah you know, when we both just we have very similar tastes like his first episode also came out the same month that the first season of the dark tome did and also featured joe hill uh in a totally different way but it it's it's brilliant and so we're like we just have to be friends and uh yeah he'd proposed that we do a crossover episode and he just kept asking me questions well and there, there had been all this stuff I'd sort of sewn into the first season um, about Dark Tome lore, but he kept asking me questions that forced me to actually like sort of write down on paper what it all meant. And then by the end of it, we're like, "Holy cannoli! <laughs> this is like, this is this is a real world we've built here." It's like the 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 frame story is more of a story than the story is interior to the frame story, and yeah, and and so much so that by this third season. It is the actual story. There's no story within a story anymore. It is fully this world. So it really just, you know, just like creative things go. It was just a a collaborative experiment that has kept on growing and growing and growing. And yeah, in this season in particular, what I will say, and uh, I did this very extremely random freelance gig. I don't know how I ever got in the database, but it's like BBC Radio Three in Scotland said. Hey Fred, you're in our vendor database in Maine. There's a the world expert on Arthur Craven is in Freeport, Maine, and we've sent a reporter from Scotland 
to go meet with this guy, but we need to, you know, someone to do it's a double ender. So we need somebody to record him. And I'm like, sure, I'll come out on a Saturday and record this. And I don't know anything about this guy, Arthur Craven, but fascinating character. And that's a that's a podcast called The Escape Artist um, with BBC Radio 3. Highly recommend it because this guy, Arthur Craven, is is nuts. And it's like this uh, person who really uh, just changed identities and changed personalities and sort of essentially, quote, rebranded himself many times in life, uh, vanished, uh, never was known whether he died or van you know, like just changed identities again and 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 slipped away. He escaped, you know, the draft in World War One, and it, it, he did all these crazy performance art things. He's you know, big inspiration to like punk rock, just a very fascinating character. And after this very random gig, because I wasn't really sure where the Dark Tome was going next, but I said, what if there was like a Dark Tome season that was defined not by the Dark Tome's presence, but by its absence? And so what if there is like, instead of playing with like, these are all the attributes of the Dark Tome, what if we created like negative space? And so this really powerful magical artifact that we've built this huge rich mythology around, what if that sort of like disappears, but creates kind of like a black hole that sort of draws people to it? What would that be like? So that's that that was kind of that was that was what we were playing around with. Uh, and, and I would also say, like, in our current era, like, um, right, we're in an era. We were just talking this before we went live about, you know, where truth and fiction become blurry. And we literally live in a society where you might meet two people on the street and two people essentially inhabit alternate realities because they're the set of facts on which they believe the world is governed are different. And like, I, I don't, I don't not like, there's no sort of like political kind of in, that, that, that part of it's not interesting to me, but that idea that like reality is not this sort of concrete thing we can touch and really wrap our head around, but it's actually this sort of like fuzzy thing where the, the more, the harder you try to like pin down the truth of the fuzzier and squishier it becomes like that idea was interesting to me. And then finally, at some point I gave myself permission to sort of like start digging into my own personal stuff. And so if you look at the show, like, you know, the character Tony has a lot like it's not Fred, but there are there's a lot of of growing up in a small town in Maine at the time I did in that. And, and you know, Tony is literally probably the same exact age as, as me and his experience of that town and the angst he has around that town is very much autobiographical. Uh, so, yeah, because because really at its heart, this was another really important thing as as various people helped me kind of like, you know, uh, midwife the story into the thing it ultimately is, was that actually, if you strip away all the supernatural elements, uh, it's really a story about childhood tragedy. And it, it could work with no monsters, with no time travel, with no, none of that. It, it could work as like a straight ahead drama. And, and that's its bones. The bones are, there's this guy who never got over this childhood tragedy. He's not, and it's broken him on some level. How's that going to play out if he's still in denial of it and has to go home? Is just, just hearing you say that made me think, is that an indicator of a good story? Meaning if you take a large part of it away, and you have this other piece there. Is that something that you look for in your own work or other people's work? It is, you know, now that I've been given the, the cogn 
cognizance of that. I so oh boy, almost four years ago now, um, got paired with a really great development executive, Jeffrey Glazer, who uh, was from Fox, who had you know stewarded a number of shows people have, would have heard of. Was with the uh, podcast provider Wondery at the time, and we were at that point talking about a new. Uh, sci-fi series it didn't end up happening but we were but he he just you know I, I never really had that kind of like tv f- maker background but to sort of hear how like a good a person who's really good at show development starts talking like that was one of the tips he gave me so he said like okay like, like cool i get it i get it but this, the, like this, that show was also about it was different but it was about it was also about sort of like what's real and what's not real and he's like well the story has to work without that. Like, what is the story actually about? Like, is this about like, uh, and, and if this story could work and it was also in the middle ages or also in the future, then it's a good story. And, and that's how you get people who are not just sort of like, uh, genre junkies to enjoy it. If it's really a truly human story. So I don't know, like everybody, whatever your tastes are, like if you just like completely forgettable stories with, shit that blows up like i'm not gonna judge you but i i i like that in genre and i think the best fiction transcends genre i like that a lot of the stephen king's work that's why you know part of the ingredient of why he's such a superstar is yes it's scary but it's not scary to be scary it's scary because you're getting really you know a consistent trademark is that you get emotionally invested in characters who are very relatable and you go along on this ride with them. And, and yeah, and, and like, and you, and you're starting to see that that's part of why, if you look at like, why it's so amazing that our system is getting less racist, such that, uh, creators of color can participate more. Like you look at a film, like get out. And if that was about, frankly, if it's about white people, it's a much less interesting story. But if you sort of see it as this as what it is, it's like, oh, this is like a a commentary on America disguised as a horror movie. It is so much scarier. And there's there's a lot of um, you know Afrofuturism books that are kind of the same way. It's like you're using the clothing of of horror that we know and the clothing of science fiction that we're familiar with, but you really actually are you have you have stuff to say. Like you're not just doing this because you love you know, things that go boom and blast sounds. And and, and again, like I said, I, everybody needs whatever media they need to cope with our crazy world. But I do really like it when, when stories are, yeah, work on a really human level and have characters who uh, connect beyond that. And I, and I think, yeah, I think that's honestly, not to get too like metaphysical, but I like, we are in a place where there are lots, we are very divided country very divided world and stories have the ability to help you transcend that and and that's where it's really powerful I, and I, i'd also use like black panther as an example like there's a lot of stuff like if you just want to watch it as a badass marvel movie you can but if you also want to say i never thought about what this experience was like for this 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 group of people in america but seeing it sort of like by being distilled into comic book characters helps me get some of this like that's fine yeah. Like we we need other ways to talk about these big issues that just don't 
set people into their camps as soon as the a conversation comes up. So yeah, I, I think that that's a that's a, a, a quite a rabbit hole, but it's about those. That's kind of my thinking about the the stuff I seek out. Which yeah, yeah. no, that's it's so valuable because <clears throat> I took a music production course where they talked about like the meaning and purpose of music, and it and you know the the instructors thought was it's you know the the purpose of music is to elicit emotion and that was the first time i ever thought about music that way mm. and it was like oh duh of course that's what it is you know and now i think that when i see all sorts of different art whether it's a painting whether i'm watching a movie whether i'm watching a television show whether i'm reading a book it's like i i'm i'm i find myself looking for those underlying things like what is this storyteller trying to tell me through this as you said clothing of a thing that you're digesting because it's just another thing you're watching or listening to um so i love hearing that those sort of specific types of storytelling um pieces that 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 good creative people will latch onto and sort of run with um, I want to talk about the medium of sound a little bit because I've never worked on a project like this that was so creative and so only audio. And I found it incredibly liberating to, as a sound designer, to not have be restricted by some exterior action that's going on by a picture or a live performance or something like that. Um, it was just really refreshing to just have words on a page and then create the world. So talk to me a little bit about like the medium of sound and why it's so fun to to be able to <laughs> just so make whatever because you it's want. It's a magic trick. It's a magic <laughs> yeah, trick. Because right. what you're doing. Right, right. Why why does magic work? Uh on some fundamental reason, you know, we know that like Weber Copperfield is not actually manipulating, you know, physics, but we want to believe that and we lend ourselves like that. What do they call that suspension of disbelief? Right. Yeah. So we are, we are giving that as the audience and the craft, the, 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 the magician is using that to, and their understanding of how you perceive things to like manipulate that for creative effect and sound in audio. You really have to do that. So it's one, it's really important that the story works because the story, like you, you're not, if the story's really not believable, you don't have a lush visual matrix to just sail people along with. So the story has to really work. But what you can do is because it is participatory and especially the kind of audio I'm creating is requires input from the listener. Like if you're going to like, uh, you know, I, I think you could listen to this in the gym, you can listen to it in your car, you know, that the mix will work for that. But if you're like, I, and I know like if I'm listening, there's certain podcasts where I'm like, I'm going to be vacuuming. I'm going to absorb like 30, 40, 50% of what's actually being said, but I know I can sort of follow it. This is not that. This is something where you have to, you have to give something to experience it. And because you're invested, uh, we can just, we can do magic. We can say like this sound of a, a slithering tentacle is this gigantic monster that would have required 75 VFX animators and a million dollars to ever have portrayed on screen. But like, it might be, you know, you in a, in a mop bucket with, with a, uh, like a, a, a sponge, 
you know, and, and a reverb thing. And it's just wonderful because what you're doing, you're, you are like hacking the brain. You're saying, how do humans interpret sound? And how do we use what we understand of the psychology of sound and the history of how people associate different sounds and their perception of sound to, to create this effect? And it's, yeah, I know it's tremendously liberating because you can also do it in a quite an economy of time. Like, like for an audio project, yeah, we put a, a ton of time in this. Like you said, you work on it a solid two months. I'm putting an additional almost a month into it. And it was uh, four months before that of, of writing and recording and all this painstaking work. But compared to like how many years does it take for them to come up with the Star Wars movie and how many people like yeah. This is a very lean and mean team in the end, actually, for for the scope of the storytelling you're doing. And because of that, because we're not talking about, oh, this is a multi-million dollar thing. We don't have, you know, all these money people involved, which like you could you can go look at the interviews of the people at the highest level of entertainment. And it's extremely stressful. And sometimes there's enough buy in where they're able to do really cool, creative, edgy things. But most of the time, you're kind of fighting against a system that's like you got so much money and so many people involved that they they do tend to play it safe. Like that's just kind of the what you're what you the people who break through that break through it because they've like overcome that system, not because the system's designed to allow people to take risks and do crazy creative stuff. So this is this is that sweet spot where we have this amazing palette, which is your cerebral cortex. We skip your optic nerve. We're going we're hacking straight through your brain, through your ears and hopeful hopefully you enjoy the magic tricks yeah right it's it's like man you just want to you just want to at night you know sit down with a drink make sure you got nice headphones or sitting in front of a nice pair of speakers and um i'm really excited to listen to the first episode cuz i haven't heard it since you know i've uh since i've finished working on it and you have sort of taken it over and i'm really excited to hear what you did with it and excited to just get immersed in the world again because i've had so much fun yeah no and, I, and I, what I, I would characterize like again i've thought about it a lot of just it's just sort of painting and it's like you know i don't know why why do the why does like the painter put the, like the 12th layer of paint in but it's just like little things like i just i don't know i like something i was just working on today was just like there was a, a sound from a different time of day and i'm like oh we haven't heard like owls in here yet so just gonna throw in a little bit of owls or the, there's a part where you're hearing some footsteps and i'm like you know this works but like what if we sort of change this around right now and the character like pauses thinks like and spins on their feet and then does that does that line like it worked the way it did before but now we've just added this thing which again if you're just like listening to it and you're like on the gym you're, going, duh, 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 you're not going to catch that detail but it's that little, little, those little thoughtful details that make it worthy of being listened to again and listened to on good equipment. Like that's really what I go for with these is, is accomplishing a level of production that bears up to repeated watching. <laughs> uh, yeah, which which is why it's like hard, like economically to do this in podcasting because podcasting, we already touched on this a little bit, like podcasting is not like one thing. It's a distribution format. And like the people who come from public radio, the people who sort of come from commercial radio, the people who come from film, people who come from audiobooks, all see it quite differently. So it's really like podcasting is like a whole bunch of different, I mean, you go to a podcasting conference, anybody who, who thinks, who likes this kind of stuff, because you'll see quite the mix of people. 
Uh, and yeah, and the system, the way it's monetized, the way the system makes money for podcasters is around, most of it is around making topical, uh, you know, stuff that you can just churn out with a very fast production workflow, which is great. I mean, that's stuff that helps pay my bills, but this is something different. This is like, yeah, like I said, it's like a painting, it's a portrait. It's a, it's a, something that I, that 20 years from now will stand strong. And again, and I, and I would say that like, um, Tom Lopez's The Mist in 3D Sound based on the Stephen King book that was recorded in the 1970s and that holds up today and is scary as hell today. And he didn't make that show saying, uh, I got to get this out for my subscribers this week because I got to make, you know, fill these ad units. Like it was like, I'm making something here. So that's, yeah, you don't always get to do this kind of thing, but it's really fun when you do. And you assembled an incredible cast too. I mean, as I was working on it and hearing each new voice come in and their performances, it was like, man, these are these voice actors are incredible and they do such a good job of selling certain moments and certain emotions that that that, that they need to convey. Talk a little bit about them and the fact well, that you were recorded it all remotely, I think. Well, right? that, I mean, I'd say that is one of the biggest advantages. So uh yeah so i'm known in the in the kind of in this space as like the field recording guy like my earliest shows were uh taking a uh a portable sound recorder taking actors out into the world uh we did so much fun stuff uh so there's like the mills down in bitterford and pepperell mill plaza and doug sanford was so cool he led us uh through a connection of the bitterford high school we would take actors like there's like underground catacombs and stuff there. And we would, would, that was, that was how we were recording. We were recording, like, let's put you in the physical space to go with the headspace, of the piece. And, uh, and we did lock and key that way. Sh- you know, I, I say shot it. Like I use, I use a lot of film metaphors. Cause I think of these as movies, um, just happen to be told with sound and no visual component, but we, we approach production like a movie. So we shot lock and key over two weeks. Everybody's like, living together in a building go like loving and slash hating each other and just it was like it was crazy it was like a, it was like shooting an in, independent feature in two weeks but it was an audio movie and so this was like a real departure was to be like okay well we can't do that because like um yeah the lead uh tony Eden Vo was someone i don't know like part of this is like i don't know i just sometimes meet people and you get a good vibe and you say i'm gonna work with this person like and you're you're yourself included like I don't know. I was like, yeah, Jason seems cool. Like, I don't, frankly, don't know him from Adam, never worked with him before, but I bet I can just dump this project on him and he'll do a good job. Like, I just have a good feeling and it worked out great. And like, Tony was one of those people who I met him through a mutual friend in New York. Uh, I'm like, yeah, we're going to work with, I'm going to work with you on something at some point. And I, when I thought this would be recorded in the studio, it was like, yeah, we'll, uh, you know, and it was going to be a stretch financially, but like, look, we'll figure it out a way. We'll, we'll get an Airbnb for you to stay in. Won't it be fun? We can stuff you full of lobster. You can be hanging out here in Maine you can, and we can like do some of this stuff. We can take you, you can put you in the car and you'd be driving around the car and we would have done it on location. And it was like, well, that's not going to happen. <laughs> Thanks to COVID. So, um, but then it was like, okay. Let's let's open our minds here. Time to adapt. What is right? <laughs> what is what what is what does COVID open up for possibilities that were not possible? It's like, well, Tony can stay in New York. Okay, cool. What does that look like? And and if and if Tony can be in New York, who's to say that anyone else has to be in Maine? And look, and and I'll I have a counter argument, which is like I am deeply deeply invested in the Maine creative community, um, but it is true. This is an extremely white state, 
and uh and you know it's great to be able to include people who you just wouldn't be able to include uh and yeah and also so tony is also sag so that was a whole thing then it was like okay now i'm working with sag talent which does sort of push you into working with people in major cities for that reason because if you are a main it often doesn't make sense to be part of the guild different conversation but yeah so it's sort of like okay i can cast anyone what does that what does that do and and like the second person cast was uh stephanie diaz as sonia who like i didn't realize it like i thought i'd be so lucky for sonia for stephanie to say yes because like she's amazing i'd worked with her once before on x-files uh project we did for audible and i just had this idea that yeah i don't know i just i just when she said yes and i was like yeah i just said yes i was like oh wait, i actually had her in my mind on some level this whole thing and like i don't know i just again it was just sort of like this auspicious sort of thing and then and then filling out the rest of the cast was all like well now that we're in this now that it's it's a union show i'm gonna get the best people i know from everywhere. And and I will say like a lot of those connections are through my late friend, William Dufries, who was really well known in audiobook space. He was also the voice of Bob the Builder. So like you'll see, you know, certain people who are in lots of audiobooks also do TV and film and voiceover work. Um, but the, the, the connection I knew was through the audiobook space. Um, yeah. And, and yeah, it was like the first time it was, it was super fun. And we had, uh, it was, it was, uh, Tony was, it, well, he'd actually, he was in Colorado at the time. Stephanie was in Chicago. Uh, Peter Burkrot was down in Gloucester, Mass. Um, Ray Porter, uh, who's the voice of Dark Side, Dark Seed. I'm not sure how he's actually pronounced it, but he's in the new Zack Snyder cut. He's an amazing actor. He's been known for a while, but that particular thing, of course, is is very sensational. But he he was kind to say yes. I, and he, so he's out in L.A. And Wendy Tremont King is in Buffalo. I think that's like our first thing. The first time. And I was like... <laughs> I am used to working with like all y'all like right here, <laughs> the shotgun mic in your face. Is this going to work? And we we put all this time and thought into to, to like the planning to make sure it work. And um, but then it happened. And it was like, okay, everybody like hit record on your recorder and go. And I, and it was like, and it was really really weird because when we were there, like you wouldn't know where we were. Like we I like everybody was like, completely present in the moment in those scenes, and I was too. And then like. It's hard to it's hard to say if you like you don't have like production experience. Like to me, that's like that's the part that's like probably the most addictive of this whole process. Like when you're like on set and someone's giving you a really good performance and you're just like fully sucked into that world. And what I realized is that and then it, and then it was like it was over Zoom. So it's like, okay, we're over our Zoom and we go home and you turn it off. And like it was really weird for me because I'm used to like all the rituals involved with the set. It's like you got to pack up your gear. You got to test your gear, make sure everything is right. You got to drive to the set. You got to set up at the set. You got the green room. You have all this stuff you do to get ready for the actors. And so to have it be like, I'm just Fred walking around and I press a button and now I'm on set was really actually kind of trippy in my mind. Cause I, cause then I would like be done and I'd be like, Whoa, I'm like back. I'm just like still here. I'm still in my house. Like what, what the heck? What man? It was, yeah, it was it was a little little cerebral, but it was it was so fun because, uh, yeah, I, I would say and I don't mean to be like too like uh, lavish language here, but I, I really think this is what almost every, like everything I've been doing in audio fiction has led to this project. It has um, talk about the music a bit. You heard what oh, he did a great job with great job. Uh, Hubert, I mean, he's one of my earliest collaborators back when I one of my first shows you reached out, 
said, hey, I'm this composer out in Chicago. We should be friends. And this was before Game of Thrones was a thing, but he'd actually done like a Game of Thrones like trailer for for someone or something. And I was like, oh, this guy's great. And he did the first three seasons. He did the whole cleanse. And I hadn't worked with him since then. And so we got him, you know, kind of got the band back together. We got you and and like, yeah, it has like this, you know, this like sci-fi edgy sort of medical vibe part. And it's got this, uh, all these recordings, you know, it's got really good voice performance. It's got these, uh, a lot of gritty, realistic, real world recordings that help sell that sense of it's actually main. And it's actually this really, really real world. And like the story, like everything, every, you know, every, I threw in everything, uh, and I do have to also give credit to Barry Dodd and Greg Tulinen. Greg bravely hacked through the first draft um, and fought his way through the jungle of like script notes and arc to get to get a draft that I um, sort of took over to to get it to the finish line. Um, and Barry uh, and and Bill, we would just you know we, as we were sort of spitballing what this world would be, they contributed hugely to that. And then it was just so much like like having worked so closely on Lock and Key. Like I got to look at like the those graphic novel scripts that Joe Hill wrote and really just started to understand and sort of like on some sort of like muscle memory level grasp like his sense of structure and plot. So all that's in there. And then just like and just yeah, I don't know, and just and just like dialogue and keeping the dialogue as tight as possible and to have as much subtext as there is. And that and yeah. And so I realize this is my Fred's never ending rabbit hole rant kind of things. But the what was really gratifying about working with a cast that is of the caliber of cast I got to work with is they could see that and they could see, Oh, I see what Fred's going here. And they could do that. Yes. And thing and say, Oh, there's a moment here to take this, what could be a throwaway line and like add this dimension to the character. And, and there's these, just these little touches of like how the little, little glimpses you get into Tony and Sonia and like, and, and like uh, the Digby Madge character, that's Ray Porter and Wendy King. And they're these like, in, in many shows would kind of be the th- also would sort of feel like throwaway characters. Cause they're like, they, maybe they're just there for comic relief, but they inhabited them and made them real and added all these really nice touches. And yeah, I was, it's just so fun because it's like, like I said, at the end of the day, we're just a bunch of friends playing make believe and we hope that you have fun with us. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Uh, I love that. Well, I'm, I can't wait to listen to it. I know I had so much fun working on it and I found myself sometimes like spooking myself because <laughs> I would get so in a moment of some crazy monster sounds or some crazy, crazy weird thing that I'm making. And I've got sounds bouncing around in my skull. And then like my wife would like appear over my shoulder and be like, it's time for dinner. I'd be like, Oh my God, sorry. You have no idea what I was just listening to. You know? <laughs> like, yeah, no. And I love, um, you know, cause I'm now I'm, I'm in the sort of my second pass of the, of the final mix. And I just finished episode six. And that's, it's really good. Cause like it is a bit of a, it's a slow build. Like the, I don't think I'm giving too much away to say that like, it's kind of spooky throughout. Like it's, it's got that sort of trapdoor thing going on where you're like, Oh, something bad's going to happen to these people. I kind of like these people. They see like, I kind of, no, don't do. And it's not, and we're not doing it in the traditional sort of like horror jump scare thing where they do dumb things, but you see that there is a, a certain inevitability to where the story is going, but you also don't know what's going to be the bad thing. Like, I think it's, 
we'll we'll see if, if it works for people but i for me it's yeah it's just like you just have this like something is not right here <sighs> and i'm not sure what i know a lot of things gonna hurt me in this town i'm not sure what's gonna be the thing that actually gets me but i'm <laughs> i'm worried and hubert did worried. hubert did a really nice job with the music of set of doing a lot of that unsettling unnerving oh boy okay something's going on here they just seem to be doing something ordinary but but something something crazy is about to happen yeah. um and i will say there's there's also some humor in there too which i oh there's I, tons of that, funny stuff that's that, yeah which is yeah. something that bill my friend you know again my friend bill taught me was like if it's all just glah, 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 all the time like that just gets tired tires you out uh yeah so and yeah there's there's some funny scenes as well which i think is helpful because again they're funny but then they disarm you just long enough that you don't see the knife coming into the back well i did not plan on talking about the dark tome for <laughs> this long but i i kind of thought this may be how it happens because <laughs> um but both you and I have spent so much time working on this world recently. Um, so let's tell people where they can listen to it at. All right, cool. Yeah, and I'm I'm delighted because I clearly I've been living in this world myself and not able to talk to anyone else about it. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. So depends. On, I don't know when this episode will be coming out. The first episode of Dark Tome uh, is coming out on the 14th of January, 2021, and that will be a, the first episode will appear in the dark tomes free feed. That's, you know, dark tome, wherever you get your podcasts um, to hear the following episodes, you will have to be a subscriber to stitcher premium and um, you can get a free month of that. There's like a promo code dark D A R K. Um, yeah. So basically I'd recommend check out the dark tome feed, um, listen to the first episode. And if you want more, you check out Stitcher Premium, and yeah, all the all the marketing gobbledygook will be, will be attached to the episode. Um, and yeah, and, and they'll be coming out weekly. So I think the final episode of the first of that of the show will be coming out in March. Um, cool. Yeah. So a slow rollout over over the next couple months here in 2021. Well, yeah. I'm anxious for the world to hear it. That's for sure. And I also want to add that the first two seasons of the Dark Tome are available on. Apple to listen to, right? So, and that's is there great. any? Yeah, yeah. You have other work too that's available on, on there Tons as well, of right? Stuff. Tons. Yeah, of stuff. I mean, just just look for me, you know, at Final Rune, um, FinalRune.com. I have all my works there, and including like a free workshop on how to do this stuff. Oh, so I'm like the biggest advocate on people getting into it. Yes, um, I wanted to, I wanted to ask you about that because I've seen you in I've seen you're active on social media and really supportive in some of the audio drama groups and podcasting groups. So, just talk a little bit about that 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 course and and if someone's interested in this, what what they can what if some yeah, steps are. I mean, are. so my my uh, yeah, what I end up doing is my company website and my sort of Fred the Mentor website got split up this summer. So the mentor website is finalrune.com, F-I-N-A-L-R-U-N-E.com. I put out like a dozen of my early show uh, scripts up to about year 2010 that are just completely available for free, non-commercial production. So if you just want to be like, like, like I literally have sound design students all over the world who like just need to do, want to practice on something, those are available. I have a, like a, 10 hour video lectures. So this spring during all this lockdown stuff, trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life. And I really wanted to just pay it forward. Cause I've, you know, I've been 
really blessed to have a lot of mentors uh, all over the world who gave me time and resources and helped get me into audio drama. And so I felt like the best way to honor them was to sort of pay it forward. I've, I've wanted to do more teaching. It was sort of like the pandemic said, well, I got nothing else going on this month. So let's do this. And it was a pretty popular course. And so all those were recorded and are, are up there available to, to watch on demand. Uh, someday they will kind of get slightly more polished because you could tell I was like my first time at bat and kind of <laughs> winging it a little bit, but it exists, which is a lot better than it not existing. So um, that's all at finalrune.com. And like, yeah, like, like what I'll tell people is like, this is such a welcoming medium. It's so easy to break into. You can really stand out in a way that like, if you're going to get into writing or even filmmaking, it can be really hard to sort of break through the noise. But in podcasting, even though it is busier than it's than it used to be, it's still quieter than a lot of other media. So you can, you'll get audiences to your stuff. And so, yeah. And, and so I'm just always trying to get people to, to, to do it, whether you're in Maine or you're in Uzbekistan, you know, if you have a smartphone, you can make a story. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love that sentiment. And that's what a lot of this podcast is about is you have a creative idea, you should pursue it and don't let yeah. anybody stop you from doing it because there's more resources than ever out there to, to bring your creative idea into the world. Yeah. And, and as Maine based people, like, I think it, I, we, in a weird way, like the pandemic has been good because like there used to be this sort of sense of like, I don't know, let's say like sort of provincialism, but like say you had a contact in like New York or LA, it would be really hard to like not have it be like normal to have like a face to face. Like, oh, let, you sound like a really cool person up to whatever you're doing. Like next time you're in New York, come drop me a line, come to, oh, oh next time you come to LA, come say hi. And you're like, well, when's that going to happen? And now like everything's on Zoom. So so this idea that like, oh, you're not like, quote, legitimate because you're not like you don't live on in Manhattan has sort of evaporated. And I, and I hope that lasts. And I also think like here in Maine, we have like access to the outdoors and we have like a, you know, really fine creative community. A lot of really cool people who are indigenous to Maine and are coming, you know, choosing to live in Maine and are bringing all these talents to Maine. So I, I think like if I look at where we're going, like, yeah, our tourist economy took a pretty good whack in COVID and the traditional economies, uh, you know, I, sorry, you know, the paper mills aren't coming back, but there's so much more we can do here by opening the door for creatives. And I'd love to see, like, I don't know, like we didn't, like, I don't, I don't know where the conversation stands on sort of like main film tax credits or anything like that. But I know people have sort of said like, you know, this could be like a North Carolina of the North of where you could attract people to bring money to Maine. And you've got all these people, you've got, you've got actors, you've got sound designers, you've got people who can help with sets. Like you, you've got all this talent. Let's like, look, put them to work. And so, uh, yeah, that's, that's kind of how I, I have a, that's my ethos for everybody. Like, I think everybody should be creating stuff because like life is too short to just live in drudgery. But like for Maine and specifically, I think us seeing and recognizing our own worth and and putting it on the world stage is really important. And and and, and people are interested and people are, are watching and this idea that, you yeah, you have to be in a big city to 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 be serious is so. 20th century. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. I love that. <laughs> no, it's true. It's true. I've met so many creative people um, 
you know, filmmakers, uh, it, it, there's just, there's a lot of stuff going on up here and it's a small community and a lot of people know everybody else and people still will leave and go, go do gigs elsewhere. But I think like you said, with COVID and that, you know, real estate is going insane up here. And, you know, I know specifically of one engineer who had a studio in his house and sold his house because a guy sold his studio in New York and was moving to Maine and was bringing his, his music business with him, you know? So, and that's just one guy that I happen to know, you know, but I think that's happening all over in a lot of different industries, um, in, in, in the, the creative ones included. Um, so you're, you're a Mainer through and through. Right, you were you were bo you were born here. Um, I am one of those. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, uh, if I want to be a jerk about it, my on my mom's side, going back to the Revolutionary War, including someone who fought in the Battle of Machias. So wow, okay, that's legit. Which, which, to be fair, has possible problematic elements, but we won't get into that. Maybe <laughs> I don't know. Now you, I don't know anything about the Battle well, of Machias. No, no, just, just now that, I like, want just to... that, like how you know when people say they're from maine and they're white like you look at the treatment of the indigenous community in maine by the colonial community it's it's not pretty yeah and including yeah so i go back oh we were you know because like it's really tempting to be like we go back to the war like well in that in that battle they were like conscripting you know i probably the passamaquoddy to fight with the you know mainers against the british which i don't know anyways that's Sure. <laughs> this whole from away business has to go, but that's that's its own rant because like nobody's actually from here except the people who are actually from here. Well said. Well said. Um so tell me about tell me about what your main main experience looks like. You know what um how do you spend your time? Uh, where have you settled in Maine? Where is why did you settle there? Um what do you like to do? What 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 what's well, main to you right now? Yeah, you know, I mean, we've been talking about this. Like, I get to live my best life. I get to work, collaborate with people all over the globe. Like I, like I said, there's this project. I, you know, five people in five time zones. I work. You know, get to uh, next week. I'm teaching a course in India over Zoom, and then I'm and I collaborated with this you know guy in Belgium, and like you get to be everywhere. But I, you know what? Then I can like uh, before we got on this call, I went out. I was out in the woods, yeah. and I got to there's like this cool river. I get to chill whenever like world gets crazy. I go back to the river, remind myself that like that's actually real. That this whole human Zoom world is completely made up. And I mean, I think that's it's like the best of both worlds. It, it's yeah. I mean, you get to live your best life here in Maine. I agree. I agree. I was just saying to my wife the other day. I said. Well, we were out with a friend and I was telling her too. I said, I don't think I've ever enjoyed being outside as much as when I live in Maine or since I've lived in Maine. Um, and I don't really know why that is. And, you know, I have a dog, so that gets me outside more probably than I have in the past. Um, but I moved here from Florida and I never really like found myself outside being enchanted by the things mm. that I was, you know, experiencing just on a walk through the woods and within the first week of moving to Maine I was like oh my god I forgot how much I missed walking through the woods you know and there's something so magical about that um so yeah it's 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 it really is a special place especially if you're a creative person to have that for inspiration well yeah and I think there's also the real there is uh 
you know, like, cause yeah, like, but as you say that it's like, it is truth. There's like a lot of beautiful places in the world. The world's a beautiful place. Uh, I, we do have a nice proximity to Boston, nice proximity to New York. So what, what I, yeah, when I say, what does the best life mean? It's, it's sort of having a foot in both worlds, like a foot yeah. in real, you know, nature-based world and a foot in a professional creative world that is, is, is rare. Like I probably, maybe Northern California might be kind of similar, yeah. but, uh, Maine's great. So yeah, it, it, that's. And yeah, I mean, just seems to attract cool people. I think it, you know, because that's another important part is who who is your community, and Maine's got some people who choose you know. Or, or I mean, and that's you know, going back like I in high school, like the all I wanted was to get the bleep out of Maine, and I did. And then I feel like I everybody I meet in back, Maine, everybody yeah, I meet I, in Maine has that same has that same feeling, yeah, right? I, I think feeling that it's intentional makes a huge difference and knowing that oh i don't know i mean i don't think townies are that bad but i definitely had baggage with the whole townie thing and then it's like but you can just choose you can you can choose to be here um yeah there's definitely still part of my heart that's that's in new orleans but like i'm not like missing the fact that i don't have the hurricane evacuation plan <laughs> yeah <laughs> so yeah Yep, I've done I've done a few hurricane evacuations and, and spent my spent my days either putting sandbags down or running between with your tail between your legs. So I I know know what you mean there. Um, yeah, it, I think everybody feels that way where they grow up, right? And it's like I think you hit the nail on the head: choosing your own destiny, right? Maybe you know it's like people that maybe never leave where they grew up feel trapped there because they feel like they're trapped there, you know, <laughs> and the reality, and I always have, you know, I traveled early, you know, sh right after high school started traveling for work professionally and it changed my point of view on a lot of things. And I, that's my advice to young people, you know, my nieces and nephews that are graduating high school and stuff. I'm like, travel, go see, go, do not be afraid to go somewhere to do something because those experiences are, will inform the yeah. person you become you know yeah and you get to you, and you can live anywhere and be a global citizen um yeah i will i guess i i will say another thing about maine is that it is definitely authentic like you you don't <laughs> i don't yeah like the, the 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 there's something to the weird roadside attractions and i don't yeah there's not like a lot of pretense in maine so that's that's another part that's really there's just yeah i don't know and this this reflects my art too because like like the the amount of nerdiness spent into like making sure certain sounds sound exactly true to a kind of sound that's in my head, like mm. that's a I don't know something very distinct to Maine is is this this we are in a world where they're like it feels like everything's a copy of a copy of a copy and Maine, uh, you know there's there's downsides to Maine having this really stubborn independent identity, but there's also something kind of. Uh, if you can if you if you can grasp the charm in it, 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 it there's some charm there too so yeah it, it it's it's yeah it's it's you, i don't know you don't meet a lot of like designer clothes <laughs> like like i don't know like there's not a lot of not a lot of people pretending to be something they're not they, yeah it, yeah that can sometimes be like well how, that you that you actually are i'm not sure how you feel about but at least <laughs> you're you you're not putting anything you're on. being true to yourself right yeah, <laughs> yeah right yeah. right authentic yeah there's a yeah, lot of i mean then, yeah there's some definitely high you know capital c characters out yeah. there yeah 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, so what are some of uh, some of your favorite places to go when you have some free time or taking the family out or uh, round? I mean, boy, well, I mean, <laughs> even without COVID, like I'm here in Alfred, we have like a thousand acres adjacent to where we live. So we spend a lot of time just traipsing about our back door. Uh, you know, my roots are down east Maine. So, well, this might be the, the habit now that like we won't. I usually actually don't take much time off in the summer. Like we usually just are here, but this year might be the time that we actually do like what other people do and travel around Maine in the summer, you know, assuming it's going to be safe to do that. Um, and if that happens, you know, we'll be going up to Washington County. Um, Cobbscook Bay campground is like the best in the state as far as I'm concerned. And like that area, I mean, Washington County has it hard. It's a like, economically hard place, but also so beautiful. So that's kind of yeah that's that's to me like that's if i'm like a salmon swimming home that's where i'm headed awesome love that love that um and this this is a really hard one especially now because like portland was a foodie town you know and now it's like well i shouldn't say that portland still is very much a foodie town but going out to eat and going out to drink is a very di different experience mm -hmm. than it was before but um you got any favorite places or not even portland around the state like local haunts that are you know you know well, when you're in well i'll area. say so i'm outside of sanford and i've been really enjoying how many immigrant owned restaurant options there are there's a great thai place there's a great pho place there's a really great mexican place which is completely nondescript uh el mexicano in the sanford south sanford plaza next to shaw's but it's great and like i didn't know that like i have friends from la who are like, I didn't know you could get like good tacos in Maine. And like, it's possible. So um, yeah, it's funny. We have, we don't actually go out, you know, cause we live, you know, we live an hour outside of Portland. So it really is a usually a special occasion if we go into town, but in, in time of quarantine where there's not much else to like, we, we do, I mean, a lot of our lifestyle revolves around food. Like we, we were out here off the grid. We have, we raise our own uh, meat, poultry, turkeys, and chickens. And like, the amount of our life that revolves around food is very significant, but that also means we're kind of in homebodies. Like, yeah, the other flip of that is that this whole like pandemic experience, like, like we've adapted to it pretty well because we didn't go on an ordinary, yeah, ordinary week. We didn't go out that much, anyways. Uh, but yeah, we've actually gone out more because it's like you know what, we're good. Yeah, well, it felt it feels less like oh, I'm treating myself to going out to eat, but or more like, well, I'm participating in keeping these businesses open. And, <laughs> yeah, and sure. We, we got to go out to eat. <laughs> yeah, right. So, uh, so yeah, we, we've we've actually uh, <laughs> ordered out a lot more than we used to. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, those, I hope, I hope Sanford gets its mojo. Uh, I mean, I, I like I, earlier, you know, depending on what you include in the final cut, like we were talking about Bitterford and it was really cool. To see, like, I'm not one of those people who grew up in Biddeford and remember Biddeford mm. downtown and the really very, very yeah. not uh, flattering way that that a lot of old school people do. But I, I do, yeah, I do remember in high in college, you know, in the 2000s, road tripping through Biddeford, and it, yeah, it's like, oh, what a crappy place this is. And now it's like cool, and I think like, and, and yeah, me and sort of feeling part of that because I got to work. And, and and do audio recording in the mills before they were all as developed as they are today. Um, and knowing uh, she recently uh, moved on, but Tammy Ackerman with Engine did amazing work. 
building the creative community in Biddeford. And I feel like Sanford is still trying to figure out how to do that. Um, as, as a, so Sanford's in York County. So that's, that's kind of my, to answer your question of where I am in Maine now, it's York County, which is, uh, yeah, it's a tr tricky part, but I'm in kind of the Western part of York County. I live in the town of Alfred, which is, feels like an old school main town, but it's in, happens to be in York County. So it has the advantages of some geography, uh, which is not too much of a diss on Kennebunk and Norgunquit and Wells, but it also kind of is, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, like Sanford reminds me a lot of Ellsworth, which is a town I knew a lot growing up, just no frills, blue collar town. Um, but I hope, yeah, they, they got some great immigrant owned businesses. I also got some great Jamaican food. You're like, this is cool. Why not? Yeah, <laughs> so, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I, I hope more and more prosperity there. That's awesome to hear that you're sort of able to support some businesses and enjoy, you know, because that to, to, we're the same way. That's why I ask these questions on the podcast is because I we love to eat. We love to go out. We love to do that stuff. And it's just it's more important than ever to help these people because it's like, you know, it's crazy what they've had to go through. Um, so advice. This is the advice portion of the show. Um, advice for a creative that we kind of we kind of hit on this earlier, but, you know, somebody that's thinking about picking up writing a first script or doing just something do like it. that, you know, advice, advice for somebody. Just do it. Like make something and finish it. Oh, yeah. Like I, I like the way you said that about your course that you built earlier. You were like, it's 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 finished. Because it's better than it being not finished. Yeah, you know? no, there's a lot of people. And this, this, so look, we're we're like into the homesteading scene too. So like, if I could tell you the number of people like, Fred, we want to live off the grid and have like 750 chickens and our solar panels just like you did it. You're like, <clears throat> bless your heart. But if you're like picking out chicken breeds on mypetchicken.com <laughs> before you like even like got land, you know, this is not, it's not going to work out, man. <laughs> um, it's just, do something yeah. um, and and just and, and if it's the off grid thing, it's like just just start, yeah. just start. And if you want to come up with like, yeah, like if you just like, I'll, I don't know, I think some people really just sort of like fantasizing on Pinterest and they'll like just go and be like, here's my magical house. I want to live with the fairies out in the woods. And this like they get something out of like that sort of fantasy and like sharing it with their social network and they don't really in their guts intend to ever live out that fantasy and you know if that's making you happy fine uh, but there's also the people who i think yearn to make that a reality but just if you will allow yourself to say no like you will defeat yourself there yeah. are you know all sorts of little demons in your brain they're going to tell you why you're not good enough why you're not smart enough why you don't have the right piece of gear i mean the number like right you're, you said you're talking you're on podcaster forums like the number of people who never record a minute of a podcast because they're like agonizing over like what bleeping microphone it's like <laughs> record the damn thing on your smartphone okay like figure out whether you like yeah. talking <laughs> before yeah. you spend 500 on gear and three months researching all the microphones okay just do something yeah uh yeah. <laughs> no, that's I it's it's so true. The the biggest thing stopping us usually is ourselves, you know, from we got to get get out of the way of our own selves to and and people are always worried about the end product not being something that whatever, but the point is is that the the process is what 
Totally. Is the process and, is the thing, you know, that's how you and, get and your 10,000 hours. So one thing I'll say that was really important for me is I got a show on WMPG, uh, community radio station was one of the first things out of college, uh, wonderful radio station. You can, and I think it's a little harder now because of the pandemic, but like, basically you can just like knock on their door and take a course and start getting into radio. And what was really valuable there is for six or seven years, I made a show every week and I made a show every week. I made a show every week and go back, listen to episodes one through 100 and they were not that good. So the only way to get good is to go make your first hundred episodes right now. Yeah. And like, and if you listen to your first one, you're like, well, it's not as good as Ira Glass. Like, well, guess what? He's been kind of at this for a minute. Yeah. Like just make something, make another something, make another something, make another something, make another something. And then it's going to, you're going to, it will, or, and if you find that you hate it, good. Like, hopefully you find, if you, if you find <laughs> right. that podcasting is not for you, way better to figure that out when you've invested 50 bucks and like 50 hours and not, $500 a gear, right? Yeah. And, and you've like redesigned your basement for a podcast studio and you realize that you actually kind of hate it. Like, it's like, I got it. Yeah. I got egg, I got egg cartons on every square yeah, got, inch I of got, the wall. Got, it's like $700 of foam. <laughs> I got this. Like, no, just, 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 just start, just start, make another, make another. Uh, yeah. There's a really great writing coach guy, Steve Barnes. Um, and his like thing is like the secret to writing a novel is to write a sentence a day. And he's and he says, okay, I know the math doesn't work. Like if you write 365 sentences, it's not a novel. But what we're gonna find out it's like kind of like like running. Like half the effort is like getting on your running clothes, getting on your sneakers, and like and if you say, okay, I'm just gonna run down the block. Well, well, guess what? By the time you run down the block, you're gonna keep running around the block, and you might keep going from there. So it's the same thing with writing or podcasting or painting or playing the guitar, whatever it is that you want to do. Just like every day say just give yourself the simplest goal like i will pick up the gar guitar today okay and i'll play one chord and then you might find well i got the guitar out i played a chord i can play two chords and then suddenly you that, like that then you're creating that habit yep uh so that's that's been a hack that's been helpful for me because i'm definitely one of those people who's like if i'm not doing a one hour workout and if i don't get up and at six in the morning and write for an hour i'm a failure be like nope my goal is not to like do this measurable goal my goal is to one step yep. each day, one step each day. And especially with the world that is it's a flaming dumpster fire right now, some days that step, it's like you're pulling your feet through quicksand and you're like, it's all I could do to turn my computer on. And other days it's like, like yesterday, a lot of people were like in a complete state of existential despair. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know. I got through a whole mix. I worked for almost three hours. Like it was one of those days where like, I just, I was like dark. I'm like, what the hell just happened? The three hours had gone by. And I'm really grateful that was the case. But I that's not because I'm sort of some sort of magical person. It's because I've built a habit of just getting at it every day. And and yeah, not everybody, you know, I understand we live in this capitalist system where wages aren't what they should be and housing costs are insane. It's it can be really financially very difficult for people to like create the space to create. And I don't know. I I don't really have great advice in that situation other than somehow find yourself 15 minutes, like, like cancel some streaming service or yeah. something. No, like, I, I, that's great advice. Like just a small amount of time. Don't, don't, don't say, Oh, I have to find an hour every day to commit to yeah. a thing. Find 10 minutes every day to commit yeah. to it. Cause thing, I guarantee you know? almost everybody 
farts through 15 minutes on Facebook, they, uh, they easy, easily, <laughs> easily, you know, <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thanks so much for coming on the show, Fred. Um, it was really fun to talk with you about the dark tome specifically. So in depth, I'm really grateful that you brought me on board and you allowed me to have a creative outlet in a year that was pretty crazy. Um, and I just, I just had a blast putting the story together and I can't wait for it to get out there in the world and for people to go on this ride with these characters. Oh, I can't wait. Yeah, yeah. It's, no, it's going to be so it's, much fun. It's you know, fun. Thank, thank you so much. Like I, I lavish praise because this project would not have happened without your contributions. It's, uh, it's, yeah, I mean, that's what's fun about it. Like I grew up, like I was, I started as a novelist and it's a lonely craft, Frank, right? Like it's a lot of like staring at a screen by yourself. And that's the fun thing about audio stuff is that you get to get to get to collaborate and see what other skills other people bring to it and and ideas ways they take oh i didn't see you do that that's so cool like i love that um it's fun thanks for creating something for the world and thanks for like you know bringing people along for the ride so not only myself but all those actors you know the composer you know, you, 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 you empowered a lot of people to be creative through your projects and, um, we're grateful and, uh, I can't wait for yeah, the, for I, the I world hope, to hear. I hope the, hope everybody loves that end product as much as we enjoyed making it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All right, cool. Thanks, Fred. All right. Rock and roll. Thanks so much to Fred for coming on the show and bringing me along for the ride on his project, Dark Tome Undertow. Now is a great time to go sign up for Stitcher Premium using the promo code DARK to receive one month of their premium podcast service for free. Once you do that, you can binge Dark Tome Undertow along with tons of other great audio content for all ages. Fred is an incredibly creative guy who always has projects in the works. Check out his Final Rune Productions website where you can find tons of great content on producing audio dramas and the Dagaz Media website to see all of the different projects he is helping to bring to life. Check the show notes for those links. Next up, as part of the main music feature, I have the new single from The Worst, off their second full-length album being released in spring of this year. Hailed by the alternative press as, quote, the glorious love child of Joan Jett and Kurt Cobain, the worst is a reminder that rock and roll is very much alive and well, and this track proves it. Here's the worst with Yes Regrets.
was the worst with yes regrets be sure to check out more of their music on spotify and you can find the new music video for yes regrets on youtube check the show notes for those links that's going to do it for episode 19 thanks so much for listening i am going to leave you with a soundscape i recorded while on a winter hike on the winnick woods trail near cape elizabeth We were making our way along and heard the distinct sound of a woodpecker getting to work on a tree. Luckily, I happened to have my recorder along and I was able to sneak right under him to capture these sounds. Thanks for listening to the Main Experience Podcast, everybody. Until next time. Main Experience is produced by Audio Evolutions. Audio Evolutions is a small business run by me, Jason DeWald, and I would love to work with you on your next project. In the modern age of digital media, it is easier than ever for people to be creative, but poor audio quality can distract from all of your hard work and ruin your project. 
Let Audio Evolutions help evolve your sound to the next level. Offering services ranging from full-scale music production for your next album, podcast production to give you the professional sound you deserve, audio post-production for video, location sound recording for video shoots, and even voiceovers. Send an email to jason at audioevolutions.net and let me know how Audio Evolutions can help you evolve the way your world sounds.